Welcome, I'm Rose Aguilar, and this is your call. Boeing 737 MAX 9 airplanes are flying again, but one of today's guests, former Boeing senior manager Ed Pearson, told the Los Angeles Times he would not fly a MAX airplane. Former Boeing and FAA engineer Joe Jacobson says he would tell his family to avoid the MAX. Just to remind you, on January 5th, passengers on a Boeing 737 MAX 9 Alaska Airlines flight bound for California had to make an emergency landing after a door panel tore off and left a gaping hole as passengers and the crew were 16,000 feet above the ground. This happened just 10 minutes after the plane took off. Luckily, no one was in the seat near the missing door and no one lost their lives. The plane landed safely in Portland, but the incident has exposed ongoing problems with Boeing's planes. This latest incident comes five years after the fatal crashes of Lion Air Flight 610, which plummeted into the Java Sea 13 minutes after takeoff, and Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302, which fell from the sky just six minutes after takeoff. All passengers and crew on those flights, a total of 346 people, were killed. Both planes, Boeing made 737 MAX 8s, experienced malfunctions. In the wake of the crashes, technical experts with the Federal Aviation Authority came forward to say the safety certification process for the new flight control system was rushed as Boeing tried to keep pace with its competitor, Airbus. In some cases, the FAA even left it up to Boeing to determine whether or not its planes are safe. The Seattle Times reported that the FAA, citing lack of funding and resources, has over the years delegated increasing authority to Boeing to take on more of the work of certifying the safety of its own airplanes. According to Al Jazeera, a U.S. congressional report found that Boeing operated a culture of concealment, and that the 737 MAX planes were marred by technical design failures. In 2021, Boeing was charged with one account of criminal fraud for deceiving and misleading federal regulators about the safety of the automated flight control system. But according to the lever, instead of forcing Boeing to face a trial for that single criminal charge, Donald Trump's Justice Department immediately granted Boeing a secret deal that avoided any trial or prosecution. That deal, known as Deferred Prosecution Agreement, merely required Boeing to institute a slate of ethics reforms and pay a $2.5 billion penalty, a sum equivalent to just 3% of Boeing's annual revenue in 2023. In fact, Boeing just announced revenue this morning, Latest revenue rose to $22 billion from about $20 billion a year earlier. The deal was set to expire just two days after the side panel blew off the Alaska air flight earlier this month. But on January 18th, a federal court judge in Texas reopened the deferred prosecution agreement and ordered Boeing to appear in court on a felony fraud charge. Boeing pleaded not guilty last Thursday. So there are many moving parts here. Today, we're going to talk about how we got to this place and what it will take to ensure safety. Freddie Brewster is a reporter with The Lever, where he covers corporate abuse. He's part of the team investigating Boeing, including the article about the more than 1,800 service difficulty reports that airplanes have filed on 737 MAX planes and millions of dollars that Boeing and its longtime part supplier, Spirit Aerosystem, have made in campaign contributions. They also have a major story called How Boeing Bought Washington. Hi, Freddie. Thanks for your reporting and thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks. You know, it's wonderful to join you guys. We're also joined by Ed Pearson, Executive Director for the Foundation for Aviation Safety, a watchdog group dedicated to informing the public about critical issues involving aviation safety. Ed Pearson is a former senior manager at Boeing 737 Factory, where he was responsible for production system support for 737 commercial airplanes. Ed raised concerns to his supervisors about the dangerously unstable production environment and risks to the safety of airplanes. He says the factory was plagued with overworked employees, chronic part shortages, quality issues, and unrelenting schedule pressure to deliver MAX planes. Ed recommended Boeing leadership shut down production operations before both of those fatal crashes, but he was ignored. 
After the crashes, he implored the leaders of the NTSB, the FAA, and the Department of Transportation to conduct a thorough investigation of the factory and to involve international accident investigators, but he was ignored again. He has shared his story with the U.S. Congress. Hi, Ed. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for all of the information that you're providing us. Well, thank you, and uh, thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. Well, Ed, I just want to start with a basic question about the the sheer size of Boeing. According to their own website, they employ 145,000 employees across the United States and in more than 65 countries. Boeing CEO David Calhoun made $22 million in 2022, according to U.S. News and World Report. And then I just mentioned about the revenue that was just announced this morning. Revenue rose to $22 billion from about $20 billion a year earlier. So can you just tell us how big of a company are we talking about here? How big and how powerful is Boeing? Well, it's it's a very big company, and you're just talking about the Boeing employees. It also, um, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of other employees that are involved in the aerospace industry in the United States. And as far as powerful goes, um, you know, they're the uh, U.S.'s largest exporter and probably the most visible um, exporter because, of course, there's Boeing airplanes everywhere in the world. Um, but, you know, in terms of um, influence and power, it used to be defined based on you know the quality of the the, the products and and now unfortunately um, it seems to be more that they're interested in lobbying and trying to get special treatment. So that's a very concerning uh, piece of information. I just wanted to share. How much time did you spend with Boeing as a senior manager in the seven thirty seven factory? So so I worked for Boeing for ten years. Um, I worked at the factory as a senior manager. For three years, um, just bef- that was before I left the company. And can you tell us what you did there? What was your experience like? Sure, um, I was a, a senior manager in the what's called production system support organization, and our job was to support the manufacturing employees that were building the airplanes. So we had people that um, industrial engineers, for example, that did all the planning for all the work. You know how, how the all the pieces and parts would come together. So they did, they did all the detailed planning for that. And then we had another group that had responsibilities for, if you will, um, you know, response. So if, if somebody had a problem with the part or a, a mechanic was missing instructions or whatever, they would come over and our team would assist them on trying to get a, to get support. And so we would then reach back to the larger organization, you know, engineering, quality, supply chain, whoever we had, you know, to talk to, to try to get support. Um, so I was, you know, kind of right in the middle of, of seeing um, a lot of pressure being placed on employees. And that's what I, you know, that's what I've been talking about. At what point did you realize that safety might be compromised? Um, it was actually, I think I started to sense it in, in uh, late 2017. We got word that our engines were going to be delivered late. And, you know, the engines are delivered, you know, there's three assembly lines and each day, you know, two engines get installed on a plane. Um, so, you know, we have engines delivered every day and we got word in late 2017 that the engine supplier was going to start providing engines late. And what the, then transpired is it became a cascading effect of um, all kinds of suppliers being late. And it, it got so bad that um, the company was hanging these concrete blocks from the engine pylons. They were called gliders uh, the police and refer to them as gliders because the engines weren't there so you know engines are kind of an important part of an airplane and it wasn't coming in on time and that causes a, again a cascading effect of all the work that has to get done and uh the testing um and and again it's it just was the beginning of a, of a giant um terrible mess mm. and is that why you decided to leave boeing to become a whistleblower? Well, I, I had hoped to stay at the company for another, you know, probably five or seven years. And um, I started seeing how employees were really being um, talked to and and how the leadership was just pressing them, pushing them. Um, you know, on the factory floor, you have people that are 
and, and I know have people have an image. I had an image of, you know, this was like a, you know, General Motors factory where it's a bunch of robots and, um, you know, but that's not the case. These are individuals that are hand building these planes. That's why the, the final, the big building there is called final assembly because they take all these parts and pieces and, and put it together. So it's, it's incredibly complex. And, um, you know, these individuals, uh, many of these individuals have been doing this 20, 30 years. They're really high to skilled. Mm. Um, but when you put anybody under pressure, even experienced people, what happens is people make mistakes and they get tired. There's tons of overtime that was being uh, forced on them. Um, we had issues again with the parts. We had issues with our testing. And that's why I brought it to the attention uh, of the senior leadership. And I, you know, I, I had, you know, flew in the military. So I had quite a bit of experience in understanding that, you know, these things were, were dangerous. And I tried to get them to shut down and I was unsuccessful. Ed, what are you hearing from your former colleagues, the people who still work at Boeing? That that may be one of the scarier things I hear is um, employees have expressed concern that it's actually um, just as chaotic and maybe worse than it was when I was there. Oh. And, um, you know, we lost a lot of very experienced people during the pandemic. They left and you just can't replace this type of skilled individual, these individuals, you just can't go out and get, you know, even, even a well-meaning, you know, um, employee comes in, you, you know, you give them training and stuff and the training is inadequate. It's completely inadequate in my opinion. Um, I think some of the employees are getting like eight weeks of training and then they're put on the line and, but when they're properly trained and they're equipped and they're, and they have adequate, you know, uh, quality controls, they can do great work. Um, but when you, you push them, and if I give you kind of a visualization as the planes go down the line, they're, they're moved every day. And um, so let's say that uh, you are uh, not able to get your job done today because your part is missing. Um, you can't do your work today. The next day you come to work, that plane is one, one flow day further down the line. And, and then the part's still not there, and it's two flow days down the line. And then the part comes in, and you've got to go down and in another area of the factory, and this is a gigantic facility, do your work, maybe interrupt other people that are doing their work, and then you got to come back and do your day job, you know, the, the job that you normally do because there's a plane in that spot. And so this is called um, out-of-sequence work, and it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous practice. And what we started seeing in our um, my colleagues, and we're starting to see reports of defects that were going, you know, up through the roof, Um you know, every performance metric we had, jobs, you know, measurement of jobs, how many jobs behind schedule we were, all, all these kinds of important metrics. And everything was going in the wrong direction. It was it was it was it, it was absolutely insanity. And so, you know, I talked to several different people. I wasn't alone. There were some of the most vocal people were the union leaders, but they really weren't listened to either. And um, so that's what happened. You know, Ed, this is such a. I mean, on so many levels, it's like we don't want to scare people, but we, we have to be honest about what's happening here. More people than ever are flying. And I'm thinking about when I'm on a plane, I just think about really the pilot. And then sometimes you see workers come in to let yeah. them know that, that things are good to go. But what you're explaining, it, there's so many people involved to ensure that the plane is safe to fly. And I'm guessing it's something a lot of people don't really think about. And well, you shouldn't have to. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, no, I, please you, go ahead. No, you're right. I mean, it's it's. Uh, sorry for the visceral reaction. You you really shouldn't have to. I mean, that's why the FAA is supposed to be there monitoring and making sure that everything is done properly. That's why we have quality control procedures that we're supposed to follow. Um, you know, the company is absolutely capable of building. Uh, high quality products it's 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 been doing it for 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 decades but when you put a different type of leadership style in place and and the measure of success is how many you get out the door and not the quality of the airplanes that's kind of a very slippery slope that we've we're seeing and and now we're seeing unfortunately we're seeing the um the things that are coming to roost you know when you when you do that uh, when you remove quality control inspections, I mean, I know this is I, I, even when my own family, when I talk to them about it, 
I um, I can I know this isn't reassuring, but this is why this Alaska accident was so important because it was traumatic for the passengers and the crew. I'm sure it should never have happened, but it was an opportunity. It is an opportunity to be honest and say, look, we got a lot of problems here. And 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 if I could just take a moment to tell you, I, I use this example with um, a friend is, you know, if you have a new car and you're driving down the road and a part falls out and you have to pull over. And you go to the shop and you take it to the shop and the shop says, oh, you're missing a part. You know, uh, let me put that back in. And, oh, wh- while we're in here, we just notice these other things don't look right. And they, you know, they patch it up and say, hey, you're good to go. You, you know, you, you'd be asking yourself, well, wait a minute. If What else should I have to be concerned about here? And that's all called root, root cause analysis. They should go back and say, if, the, if it was true that there were bolts from that were missing. Why were the bolts missing? Well, the employee made a mistake because they didn't document it in records. Why did they do that? Well, the employee was not properly trained. Why were they not properly trained? Well, because they were, you know, um, rushed to get into their job. You know, you just go down the line. And so there's a lot of root causes that were never examined. And so we see the same issues today, unfortunately, that we saw before those two fatal crashes. To your point, the CEO of Alaska Airlines said, according to in-house inspections of that Boeing 737 MAX plane, many of the aircraft were found to have loose bolts. And it just makes you wonder, Ed, why would they take this chance? I mean, given that, again, it's miraculous that no one was sitting near that door that tore off. Because, I mean, I read about a, a boy's T-shirt came off. Somebody could right. have just flown right out of there. Um, why would huh. they play? It's like playing with fire. Why would they do this knowing that it's going to get so much international attention? Alaska's going to get slammed. United's going to get slammed. Why would they take this chance? Well, it's, it's, it's unfortunately, it's the same corporate mindset, I think, that you have at Boeing, which is um, profit focus. And you could do all the talk you want about safety is you know, priority one, but you kind of show it in your actions. Um, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we, and when I mean, we, there's a team of us that have been looking at this very closely for several years now. And the, the taking of those chances, you know, that I, I saw an interview with Tom Costello from NBC news and the CEO of Alaska. And it was very obvious that the CEO of Alaska was, was um, angry and placing blame at Boeing. Rightfully so he was, he was critical of the of the fact that the plane was delivered to him in, in this kind of condition and other planes. And what really kind of irked me was um, we had been looking at Alaska Airlines, not just Alaska, but other airlines. And I looked up that plane that they were sitting on where he was given this interview with Tom Costello. And it wasn't it wasn't the same plane that had the accident. But I just looked up the tail number of that particular plane. And lo, lo and behold, that plane has had fifty nine aircraft system malfunctions on it in the last, you know, a couple years. And it's a new plane. And, and I looked at those things. We looked at those things and, and, and some of those things were, were, were quite concerning. There was stab trim motor failures, which is controls the horizontal stabilizer in the back of the plane. There was some engine issues. Um, it's not, um, it's not just the manufacturer, the, the airlines have a responsibility to their passengers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's making money. His company's making money. They have a responsibility. They need to put their foot down and say, this is unacceptable quality. And it's not just, that's the thing. I even wrote to him. I wrote to him in April. I was a board member for Flyers Rights. And I wrote specifically to the CEO of Alaska. And I said, you know, I'm looking at your data and it's it's concerning, and I, I really you really need to consider shutting down and grounding that plane and finding out what's going on with your production issues. Those are new planes; they should not be having those problems. So, and again, I want to say it's it, you know it's it's not just Alaska because other airlines are 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 responsible as well, right? And and a lot of those reports that um, I think Mr. Brewster was reporting on um, those reports are coming most of those reports are being done by Alaska and we have other airlines in the US who are choosing to not I think report some of the incidents that they're having um and the FAA is allowing this the FAA is ultimately the responsible party that you pay your tax dollars for they should be in the factory they should be monitoring what's going on they should be investigating these incidents it's incredibly frustrating 
Ed Pearson is a former senior manager at Boeing's 737 factory. He worked for Boeing for 10 years. He's now executive director for the Foundation for Aviation Safety, a watchdog group dedicated to informing the public about these issues. We're going to have Freddie Brewster, a reporter with The Lever, join us in just a few minutes, um, who's done really important reporting on this. Ed, I know you have to leave us soon. How, for those of us who fly... What should we be thinking right now? Because you have said, you've told many media outlets that you would not fly a MAX. And they're flying again. So how should we be thinking about safety at this point? I think I th- just a couple things. And I, this is a really a much more difficult question than maybe it seems. But um, yes, I, I am advising people, my own family. And it's hard to avoid these planes sometimes because your planes get swapped at the last moment. But the 737-8 and 737-9, um, we have concerns about. And, and But I want to say, because this is really important, because I know if people are listening to this, it must be so uh, dreary sounding. But there's solutions here, right? These, th- there's, these are fixable problems. All of this can be resolved and fixed, but it really takes honesty and admittance, admitting that these problems exist and just patching up the plane and saying it's all good and doing a safety stand down, which is pretty much a joke. Um, you know, the way it was done. I mean, it's, it's just not enough. And, and so I think that what people should be doing is they should be demanding that, um, the FAA does their job. They should be demanding that, um, the leadership at the Boeing company. I mean, this is a diamond of a company, right? This company has helped us, our country is critically important to national security and they're great people that work there. They deserve much better leadership. And, 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 you know, we never, the joke around, you know, the factory when I was there was, you know, we never, we don't know who the board of directors are or anybody because we never see them. And apparently that's still the case. Hmm. So what should people be thinking about, these planes, the MAX, but then like a Boeing 757. I mean, what should we be thinking about the planes that have had issues and other Boeing planes? I, I don't want really, I, I really don't want to speculate on these other planes because, um, you know, they're usually, um, you know, flight crew or our top of the line um, maintenance personnel, engineering personnel. They all people, there's a lot of people that are, are doing their jobs right. Um, I don't want to speculate on these other issues that have come up because it's it's just it's uh, it's it's it is a little um, admittedly concerning to passengers. But, you know, the 737 Max is a um, you know, there's plans for that plane to be uh, sold to many airlines in the U.S. and around the world. And, you know, we don't need to be building planes that are not perfect and my our, our, we're about to release a press release to go out and, and tell Secretary uh, Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and also FAA Administrator Whitaker that we believe these planes um, need to not fly right now. They need to do very, very thorough inspections on these planes and fix these issues. And, and again, it's, this is a massive, massive um, challenge. So, and, and one other thing I'll tell you, because people will comment that, you know, hey, air, all airplanes have issues, which is true. But new airplanes particularly should not be having these kinds of issues. And it's, it's not that one issue is going to necessarily cause a plane, you know, to, to, to crash. It's, it's a, it's a cumulative effect. It's a multiple emergency type situation where you have more than one thing going on at the same time and you add other factors to it. Um, so I don't want, I'm not trying to alarm people. I'm just saying that people need to demand that, um, the, that, Get people get to the bottom of what is going on at the Boeing company and what's going on inside the FAA and Department of Transportation needs to get engaged. They're completely um, not involved from my vantage point. Well, even right now. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they they look this look. Congress has been doing more of the work, it seems like, than the the, the executive branch on um, Congress has had, you know, a couple of investigations they have um, Senator Cantwell and her staff. There's just a few of them, but they're they're doing great work to try to get to the truth. And they're having to extract information out of FAA, and FAA is not very forthcoming. And you have to understand the FAA reports to DOT, right? So the DOT secretary could tell the FAA administrator, get that information to Congress, get answer their questions, you know, get involved. And 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 by the way, it isn't just the current administration. The last administration, similarly. 
the Department of Transportation leadership was not involved. And uh, it's kind of like the Pentagon Secretary of Defense, like watching the Department of the Navy, you know, not be very forthcoming and, and, and helping the uh, Congress understand what's going on. And the Secretary of Defense just allowing that to happen. That, that wouldn't happen. The Secretary of Defense would get involved and say, Hey, I want you to fix these problems. I want you to put a team of people together. I want to get to the bottom of it. I mean, there's a lot of people that are making a lot of money in government that could be doing their jobs. And, and, I, you know, I just want to point that out. Well, Ed, I know you have to go do another interview. Thank you for your work on this. Thanks for sharing all the inside information, and we'd love to have you back. Well, thank you for having me. It's important. And, um, you know, again, I think uh, people have to really understand that these things are fixable, but you really have to admit them first. Right. Well, thank you so much, Ed. Ed Pearson is executive director for the Foundation for Aviation Safety, a watchdog group informing the public about all of these issues. He's a senior, former senior manager at Boeing 737 factory, where he was responsible for production system support for 737 airplanes. He worked with Boeing for 10 years. You can find out more about his work. And, and the message he's trying to get out at yourcallradio.org. Coming up after a break, we'll speak with the Levers' Freddie Brewster, who has been extensively covering Boeing. We'll talk about his many reports, including how Boeing bought Washington. This is Your Call. We'll be back after this. This is Your Call. I'm Rose Aguilar. Coming up tomorrow, columnist Michael Harriet will discuss his new book, Black AF History, The Unwhitewashed Story of America. He removes the white sugar coating from the American story, he says, placing black people squarely at the center. On Friday, we will continue our discussion about the state of the media and all of the layoffs that we are still seeing. Where do we go from here? What does this mean for 2024 coverage? And then coverage about really important issues like the climate crisis, poverty, inequality, and so many other issues. If you have a show idea or a guest idea, you can email your call at kalw.org. Today, we are talking about what is happening at Boeing. You just heard Ed Pearson, who worked at Boeing for 10 years. He's now executive director of the Foundation for Aviation Safety. He says the company is putting profits over safety. And now we want to go to Freddie Brewster, a reporter with The Lever, who's been covering this extensively. Thank you for patiently waiting there, Freddie. Um, Ed is in high demand, and I just wanted to make sure we had time with him to talk about his experience. And I wonder... You were listening. What stood out for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, thanks, Rose, for having me on. <clears throat> what stood out really was when Ed started to talk about um, these compounding reports that have been found on these airplanes, in particular, 737 MAX planes over the years. Um, you know, one of the stories I dug into looked into these reports, and th- these are these are called service difficulty reports, and they're for the airlines. Um, anytime there's a, a safety issue or a system malfunction, the airlines are, you know, required to report these issues to the FAA. And since December 2022, when the Mac, or excuse me, since December 2020, when the Max planes were ungrounded and began to start flying again after the two fatal crashes that you mentioned earlier, there have been more than 1,800 service difficulty reports filed to the FAA warning the regulator about all these deficiencies. So tell us how this works. Just to reiterate this, reading from your piece, operators of Boeing 737 MAX planes filed more than 1,800 service difficulty reports. That's more than one a day. They're warning government regulators about safety problems. So then what is done with these reports? Well, you know, I, I spoke to Ed in detail about that. And, you know, they essentially, you know, con- or the FAA is supposed to notice trends and track them and, and you know, and, and form these uh, airline manufacturers about issues. But Ed said, you know, these, these largely kind of sit unaddressed. And some of the issues that are found on these are, you know, kind of, you know, important issues. You know, there's, there was fuel leaks on potentially hundreds of uh, planes caused by misapplied sealant, you know, issues with the stabilizer, the, you know, stab trim motors that uh, Ed had mentioned, uh, debris found in fuel tanks, engine stalls during uh, takeoff and, you know, routine issues with uh, a malfunctioning anti-ice system. Have you been able to interview any government officials about all of this? No, all I've really have gotten is statements. And and why why is that? Because the CEO of Boeing was on Capitol Hill 
was it last week, but this wasn't publicized. And I was wondering why uh, this wasn't aired publicly. Yeah, you know, that would be a great a great question to ask Boeing, uh, you know, executives themselves. Um, you know, I, I'm not quite sure why they haven't, uh, you know, we, we reach out for comment whenever we do our stories and, you know, um, would like the wires are going answered. Well, I want to give out the phone number. If you have any questions about Boeing, what are your thoughts on all the news that you've been hearing, what you just heard from Ed Pearson, who used to work at Boeing? Uh, Freddie and his team at the le- uh, at the Lever have been doing extensive reporting. So if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. If you have worked at Boeing or, or an airline or are familiar with all this, you can give us a call at 866-798-8255, 866-798-8255. You can also email your call at kalw.org. What are your thoughts about Ed's comment around the culture at Boeing and how things have really changed to ensure that as many planes are sold as possible. And he says that the company is putting profits over safety. Yeah, you know, a lot of the reporting, you know, Ed Ed knows those issues the best. You know, he's been there for 10 years. And, you know, the the whole when it comes to the aspects of, you know, profits over safety, um, you know, over the past decade, Boeing and its, uh, you know, one of its part suppliers, Spirit Aerosystem, which is a spinoff of, of Boeing that uh, came into effect in the early 2000s, um, those two companies combined have spent more than uh, $800 million paying their top executives and spent more than $68 billion on dividends and stock buybacks for shareholders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by, you know, estimates from a number of experts and studies we found, you know, these amount, you know, this amount of money could have been spent on making safety upgrades that were necessary. Um, but, you know, instead, a lot of this money went to, uh, you know, juicing, juicing uh, stock prices and paying top executives. What really stood out for you when you dug into lobbying and campaign recipients? For example, in your piece, How Boeing Bought Washington, you've got a number of examples here. Republican Representative Ron Estes of Kansas, one of the top recipients of Spirit-affiliated campaign cash, pressured the FAA over its previous grounding of the 737 MAX as Spirit faced potential profit losses from the grounding Representative Ron Estes insisted that the FAA's extended process of recertifying the plane after two crashes was resulting in, quote, negative repercussions and warned that until recertification of the Boeing 737 MAX is complete, Spirit and its workers would suffer. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and the thing that really stood out when we started digging into these this lobbying number or these lobbying numbers is, you know, who it's going to and what states they're in. You know, Boeing and Spirit has spent a lot of money on the representatives that are from their states. Uh, you know, Senator Marie Cantwell, who has, you know, recently called for investigations into the door plug and other issues with Boeing, uh, she received nearly $200,000 in contributions from Boeing's political action committee. Um, and, you know, she also helped push through legislation to uh, exempt the Boeing 737 MAX models from uh, a looming safety deadline that would have required changes to their alerting systems. And so I think, yeah, like I said, the, the thing that stands out the most in some of this uh, lobbying money is just exactly who it's going to. Right. And Senator Cantwell is a Democrat from Washington state. And as you report, the move came despite concerns from the families of the passengers who died in the 2018 and 2019 crashes. Are you finding mm-hmm. that Boeing is giving to Democrats and Republicans? As you report, over the last four years, Boeing and Spirit's political action committees and employees have together reported spending more than $65 million on lobbying and federal campaign contributions. Oh yeah, this is a, a bipartisan, you know, issue. You know, the, you know, you can't. I mean, you know, and, and Boeing's issues go back decades. Uh, you know, there have been multiple reports and government reports worrying about understaffing and you know oversight and stuff like that. But yeah, this is definitely a bipartisan issue when it comes to uh, the amount of lobbying spent and oversight. You know, you can't you can't have these types of things go by with just a single political party receiving money to you know. You know, lobby, or, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, 
do the bidding at times for some of these companies. So who on Capitol Hill is not receiving money from Boeing and is actually trying to hold this corporation accountable? Well, you know, lately, like I said, uh, Senator Marie, Marie Cantwell, um, you know, she's called for those investigations. So that's a good sign. Um, but, you know, the, the spending is widespread. Let's hear from a caller. Let's go to Greg in Palo Alto. Hi, Greg. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Um, I can barely hear you over the phone, so unfortunately there might be some feedback. A couple of things. One is that, uh, as your guests have indicated, this is nothing new. Several years ago, two, I think it was Boeing jets crashed. Uh, there was some fault with the guidance system, uh, and they so the nose dipped. They crashed. Hundreds of people were killed, including a, a relative of Ralph Nader's. Uh, but I, I just wanted to get to a point about this. To me, this is a much broader issue in the society, and that is accountability. Who gets held accountable? You know, when, when the fires happened in California, PG&E pled guilty to um, 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter. Nobody went to jail from PG&E. Uh, and they were fined a little bit, and that's it. Business as usual. So it's just it's just a, across the board. Police aren't held accountable. Corporations aren't held accountable. Politicians. And just keep in mind one thing: the Supreme Court has got a case in front of it right now, where they could even gut further the uh, types of regulations and oversight from uh, things like the F- FDA. You name it, any government entity, they're going to be making a decision about how the administrative state can oversee these uh, entities. And if they, if, they de- if they determine that this does not hold up, that it's, uh, there, it's an overreach on the part of government, if you think things are bad now, just wait till that happens. Well, thank you, Greg. What about the bigger picture here, Freddie, as Greg laid out, that these corporations are not held responsible for this, even when lives are at stake. I mean, you, you've done excellent reporting on Boeing spending more on buybacks than it does on expenditures like upgrades and maintenance to ensure that its planes are safe. Yeah, you know, I think uh, a positive light that we can look towards is, you know, the the deferred prosecution agreement and, you know, movement being there that you had mentioned earlier at the top of the hour. Um, you know, that was, you know, a kind of a, you know, by many experts, you know, opinion, a kind of a crazy deal that was issued after these crashes. And so, you know, the, as the Justice Department maybe reconsiders that deal in prosecuting, you know, that's a positive light to look towards. And, you know, and also the FAA, uh, you know, grounding these planes and, you know, hopefully their upcoming investigation into Boeing will also reveal something, you know, of substance. We have a question about the FAA. Let's go to our next caller, Amy in Santa Cruz. Hi, Amy. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah, I was hearing recently also reports about air traffic controllers, uh, who I believe are overseen also by the FAA, and they're working very long hours, uh, maybe six days a week, maybe sometimes more, very tired. This was in the New York Times, actually. I saw this article, and it was a big article. And so I'm wondering sort of what is happening. I guess we don't know at the FAA, and is there some way to trace back in time to when Reagan shut down the organizing of air traffic controllers, the strike, back under the Reagan administration? I'm just, like, I keep wondering who's it, what's happening at the FAA. Our lives are, as you say, on the line. Right. Well, thank you for that. We just found the piece that you cite. This looks like a really important piece. Drunk and asleep on the job, air traffic controllers pushed to the brink. A nationwide shortage of controllers has resulted in an exhausted and demoralized workforce that's increasingly prone to making dangerous mistakes by Emily Steele and Sydney Ember. This ran on December 2nd in the New York Times. Freddie, are you familiar with this? Yeah, um... Uh, yeah, there, there's there's long-standing issues when it comes to staffing levels for air traffic controllers, and also, you know, like I said before, government reports, you know, speaking about this, and you know, the FAA, you know, like again, going back to government reports that uh, you know have been these are investigations, GAO report, Government Accountability Office reports, Department of Trans- Transportation reports, you know, talking about understaffing at FAA, and you know, the the issues with the um, air traffic controllers, you know, if, if I. You know, that also helped play, played a role in, you know, last year's, you know, uh, you know, kind of 
debacle when it came to uh, travel. You know, weather played a big role too. But you know, having you know air traffic controllers there also you know is a much needed uh, you know aspect of that of travel. Well, again, from the piece, air traffic controllers spend hours a day glued to monitors or scanning the skies with the lives of thousands of passengers at stake. They're the last line of defense against crashes. Yet the conditions for these controllers are far from ideal. There's a nationwide staffing shortage. Many have been forced to work six days a week, 10-hour days. You know, I think, Freddie, what's frustrating about this is we're in an election year and it's 24-7 election coverage, but so much of the coverage is about the horse race, not about actual issues like this. I'm just hoping we can change things so reporters start asking yeah. questions about these very serious issues. No, you're, you're 100% right on that. And one of, you know, the you know, Nikki Haley, you know, she was on the Boeing board and she helped kill a dark money disclosure that would have revealed, the, you know, you know, Boeing's political, you know, more, more revealed Boeing's political uh, uh, spending and the extent of how far it goes. Um, but, you know, I, I have yet to see anybody ask her about her role on the Boeing board um, at this time. And, you know, this also came after her stint with the Trump administration. And she's, you know, the second leading candidate in the you know, GOP race. I'm so glad you brought this up because I saw the headline January 11th from the lever. Nikki Haley helped Boeing kill dark money disclosure initiative following 737 crashes. The Republican presidential hopeful helped crush a proposal to force more disclosure of Boeing's spending to influence safety regulators. So let's all think about how many times we've heard stories about Nikki Haley on the radio and television. I don't remember hearing about Boeing and her role in this at all. And this is by your colleague, Katia Schwenk. Yeah, yeah. You know, shout out to Katia. She's a phenomenal reporter. And, you know, this is an issue that, um, you know, the Lever's founder, David Sirota, you know, routinely brings up on Twitter is that, uh, you know, like, how come people aren't asking about this? And, you know, it's, it's a big issue. And I think it kind of points to, you know, some issues at play when it comes to how, we cover our, um, you know, political races and, you know, kind of lacks, um, you know, the, 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 the depth in which it needs to go. Right. Uh, well, we are hoping to bring on all three candidates running for California senator, and we'll definitely ask them about these issues. Today, we're joined by Freddie Brewster, reporter with The Lever, where he covers corporate abuse. He's part of a team that's extensively investigating Boeing. You can find his pieces at yourcallradio.org. I want to play a clip from Allied Pilots Association spokesperson, Captain Dennis Teacher. He was recently on News Nation Now to talk about Boeing safety procedures. He says Boeing is failing to produce a reliable and most importantly, a safe product on a consistent basis. Uh, This is a leadership failure. This is not just the drama continues, the negligence continues. This is the fourth thing in the last several months that's popped up on the MAX. Uh, They've had production issues with an aft bulkhead, had holes that were misdrilled. We had rudder assemblies that were missing bolts. Um, and then we have this door. Another area that's happening right now, and I fly the MAX and the NG, the previous model, the FAA has given us a bulletin saying that if you leave the engine anti-ice, it's like a defroster. If you leave that on when you're in clear air, unlike any other airplane, for five minutes or more, the engine could actually come undone. The cowling could break away from the airplane, and the FAA's bulletin says, and pieces of it could penetrate the passenger cabin and injure passengers behind the wing. And it says that it might cause you to do an off-airport landing. That means landing on the Hudson or in a cornfield. We're currently flying with an aircraft that's depending on the memory of two pilots that don't have to remember this on any other airplane uh, to keep us from having such uh, uh, horrific things possibly happen. And Senator Cruz said it was a miracle. He's right. It was a miracle that there were experienced, trained pilots to take a Boeing airplane that had come undone, exploded, and got it back into a safe altitude where passengers could breathe. And thank goodness no one was sucked out of that airplane. 
That was Allied Pilots Association spokesperson Captain Dennis Tager on News Nation Now. He says he flies with a post-it note to remind him to turn the anti-ice engine off. He sets his watch to remind him every five minutes so the engine doesn't come apart. I, I mean, Freddie, when I heard that, I thought, this is crazy. How is this allowed to continue happening? Again, we don't want to fear monger, but this information needs to get out. You're absolutely right, you know, and I, I, I asked Ed, you know, specifically about that anti-ice system. And he said it's like compared to like, you know, if if you turn on your rear defroster on your car, you know, if you don't turn it off within five minutes, like your engine could explode, you know, or a core part of your engine could just blow out. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a big issue. And, you know, the uh, Boeing was seeking an exemption for this, um, you know, to be able to use this on some of its new uh, upcoming 737 MAX planes. And, you know, recently they rescinded that exemption. But that was after, you know, lawmakers brought this to the FAA's attention. The FAA knew about it, you know, uh, you know, pushback in the press and pushback from lawmakers urging the FAA to rescind that or deny it. We have an email from Marilyn who says, are there any planes that are safe to fly? I'm planning to fly to Greece in October. Um, you know, I think Ed would be the best one to talk about that. Yeah. But, you know, according to, you know, the reporting I did when it came to these service difficulty reports, you know, in from December 2020 to September 2022 or 2023, um, Alaska Airlines had filed, uh, it was like... Uh, 12, over 1,200 of these service difficulty reports for 737 MAX planes. And in that time, um, that same time limit, you know, they've only filed, uh, you know, I think it was like 25 service difficulty reports for Airbus. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, if you're going to Greece, you know, Airbus is, you know, a, a European-based um, you know, airline. So, oh yeah, I just pulled up 20, uh, 25 reports for the for uh, excuse me, uh, Alaska filed 25 reports for its 10 Airbus A321 Neo airplanes. Well, at the same time that they filed over 1,200 reports for the 737 Max planes. Well, Marilyn, thank you for the question. We'll try to get Ed Pearson back on the show, but you might want to check out his website for more information. The Foundation for oh, Aviation oh. Safety. Oh, go yeah, ahead, Freddie. One thing, Rose. Before I forget. Um, you know, on some of these uh, websites where you can book your flights, they have an option where you can, you know, filter the planes that you fly on. So that is an option for people to check out. I mean, it's amazing that we have to do this in 2024. And Art has a question or a comment. Two things we could do. One, get money out of politics. And two, if corporations are persons, maybe their CEO should go to jail if they're in charge of airlines that produce fatal products due to their negligence. What does your guest say to these two points? What are your thoughts, Freddie? Um, yeah, you know, money in politics is, you know, like a, a big issue. Uh, and then what was the second second uh, comment he made? He was just talking about executives going to jail if they produce fatal product products. Yeah, you know, that is that is something that is in the hands of the Department of Justice. And, you know, you, you can put pressure on our elected officials to, to do that, to advocate for that. But that is something, you know, like uh, that media reports bring up and, you know, you, you name it. Um, but that's, that's on the Department of Justice and they need to, you know, perhaps pursue some of these things. One more quick question. Your colleague Katya Schwenk has a piece. Will Biden rescind Trump's Boeing immunity deal? Allegations of fraud in a recent federal lawsuit could empower Biden's DOJ to rescind a deferred prosecution agreement granted to by Boeing by Trump. Do you have any updates on this? What are your thoughts overall about how the Biden administration is dealing with this? Um, I don't have any personal uh, you know, updates on that. You know, Katya has been hitting that pretty hard. Um, but, you know, I do know that, you know, like we talked about before and you mentioned at the top of the hour, there is, you know, a movement on that deferred prosecution agreement. And, um, yeah, so I guess we have to kind of wait and see what, what comes out. And where are you all going with your investigations next? Uh, we have an upcoming piece that kind of details a bit of the history of deregulation. Uh, that's what that's all I'll get at. 
Okay, well, that's really important. We'd love to have you back for that. <laughs> Freddie Brewster yeah, is a reporter with The Lever where he covers corporate abuse. They are an independent investigative outlet doing very important reporting on Boeing. Freddie, thanks to you and your team for your work, and thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And again, just to give you an idea of what Freddie and his team are reporting on that deserves so much more attention, this one from January 11th, Nikki Haley helped Boeing kill dark money disclosure initiative following 737 crashes. The GOP presidential hopeful helped crush a proposal to force more disclosure of Boeing's spending to influence safety regulations. They've got another piece, how Boeing bought Washington. Before the recent Boeing disaster, the company and its part supplier Spirit Aerosystems spent years lobbying to boost production and weaken safety regulations. And then just more about all of the complaints that have been filed. So you can find these pieces at yourcallradio.org. Thanks to Savannah Harriman-Pote for producing today's show. Thanks to Kevin Vance for engineering our show. You can find past shows and links at yourcallradio.org. Be sure to sign up for our podcast there and leave us a review so others can find us. Tomorrow, we'll be joined by columnist Michael Harriet. He'll discuss his new book, Black AF History, The Unwhitewashed Story of America. He says, for too long, we refuse to acknowledge that American history is white history. He says he removes the white sugar coating from the American story, placing black people squarely at the center. We hope you can join us tomorrow. If you have a show idea or a guest idea, you can email us your call at KALW.org. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rose Aguilar. It's your call. Thank you.